Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi guys, welcome back to Feathers in My Hair. This is the first official episode now that Feathers in My Hair is going to be fully featured on iTunes. That's right, Feathers in My Hair is no longer a Patreon exclusive. All of my episodes from here on out are going to be released in full on iTunes. I am super hyped. I really encourage you guys all to stay on Patreon, though, if you are already a patron, because Princess Jones Curtis, aka my basically co-host at this point for Feathers in My Hair, is releasing her podcast, Spelling Tea, and that's going to be taking over the $5 level on Patreon. But Feathers in My Hair is now free for the masses. I'm super hyped. I'm really excited, and I hope you guys that have just been listening on iTunes enjoy getting full-length episodes. So, welcome. Uh, This week, I have asked, well, actually, she asked me if she could come on and do it, and I was like, yeah, of course. That's the thing. If if you know me and you ask to be on Feathers in My Hair, like, I'll probably say yes. Um, One, this is this is a little off topic, but once before I stopped reading my iTunes reviews, because I'd feel like really, really high off the good ones and want to like kill myself off the low ones. So I just decided to completely stop listening to them, but or reading them. But one said like, and her guests are just random people from the internet. And I'm like, where do they think I'm going to get guests for this podcast? Like, Where, where do they think the certified teen mom experts come from? They're just my internet friends. But anyway, welcome back, Geneva. I'm glad to have you back. Hi! So this week, because I took off last week, we're going to visit the Mackenzie McKee catch-up special. Uh, We, Geneva and I both are, I would say we're Mackenzie heads. Like, we keep up with Mackenzie. Absolutely. I listen to all of her Psycho Snapchats. I used to just rapidly click through and wait till... You know, there was a little snap for Bronx, but now I listen to all of her crap now, so. What I do thing. with her Snapchat, I just, like, open it, and then I lay the phone down, like, on my chest, and I just, like, listen to it. Because Mackenzie Snapchats for a cool 15 minutes a day. And she does. I don't know why she doesn't just vlog on YouTube. I, that, I know. Why doesn't she vlog? Because she edits, she knows how to edit videos. Like, she knows how to produce videos. I mean, like, not at like a super high quality but better than I would know how to do it like she she can but like Mackenzie will just get on Snapchat and talk and remember Snapchat's a 10 second increment and she does it for 15 minutes a day like they're so long and she gets real on Snapchat but the thing that I love about it is that I don't think she realizes like what she's presenting herself as if that makes sense like I think she's like I'm being real on Snapchat but like her real just makes her look insane and I think she thinks it makes her look like relatable down to earth but to me I'm like you should seek help 
Also, for some reason, she doesn't know that if you just keep holding the button that it'll continue for you because hers will be all choppy as if she's talking for 10 seconds and then she accidentally goes over and then she's starting a new one. It's just like, Mackenzie, um, did you not get the update everyone else did? Like, Farrah does stuck? the same thing. <laughs> Such a mess. So, yeah, we love Mackenzie. I love Mackenzie's in it being in and out of uh, multi-level marketing schemes. Mackenzie loves, what does she call it, like direct marketing? Boss babe or whatever. Wait, that's Farah, but also she loves having her meeting with her other. Yeah. <laughs> so just in case you guys hear a dog barking in the background, there is a dog barking in the background. So bear with me. But so Mackenzie is always doing stuff like, I think Mackenzie, okay. I want to start at like the beginning of Mackenzie. I think Mackenzie has always seen herself as, like, too big for her hometown. I think that she knows in her heart she was, like, not meant to just, like, have babies and live in Miami, Oklahoma, and, like, not do anything. I think she is – now, I don't think she goes about it in the best way, but I think she's a highly driven person. I think she is actually a lot like Farah in that way, in that I don't – agree with how she goes about it but I don't think Mackenzie has ever just like sat around and done nothing she is a person with a manic amount of energy whether that be uh via mental illness I don't know I have a feeling she's like always been like that sometimes I wonder if she's taking a lot of Adderall I can't I can't get a full grasp on like if Mackenzie is sometimes having a manic episode or if she's like on a lot of speed but she's a person with a ton of energy she has goals And she works to achieve those goals. She just is not very smart and doesn't have a lot of guidance. So she goes about achieving these goals in, like, the stupidest ways. Yeah. Especially with the MLM stuff. She was teaching us about how everything is a pyramid. There's always people at the bottom and always people at the top. (laughs) No, she goes, everything's a triangle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Including, she said, at Taco Bell, you have managers and you have people who work under them. So isn't that a pyramid scheme? And it's like, no, because you don't have to pay money to work at Taco Bell. The best part is that she doesn't even do this crap anymore and she makes no mention of it as if none of it ever happened. Yeah, although sometimes (laughs) I'll notice she will, like, randomly bop back in for, like, two months. And then you realize she probably gets like, oh, right, I made no money off of this. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, she's done the drinks. She Mm -hmm. did some weird Fitbit that she claims cured her diabetes. Oh, that's a whole other ballgame we have to talk about. (laughs) Poor Mackenzie is constantly curing her diabetes. She's always curing it, but at the same time, she's always in the hospital for untreated. So Mackenzie has been like an undercover mess the entire time that we've known her. First of all, as I discussed in when I did her 16 and pregnant, like Mackenzie had a pregnancy pre-Gannon. Uh, she had a miscarriage. The baby was named Oakley. And then I think quickly got pregnant with Gannon. So she, right. but that's like never, I was really hoping they were going to bring it up in this special, but I think it's all been agreed like to never talk about. Um, So she has kind of been a mess for a long time. And she is very, very narcissistic. Like, she is very fame-seeking. I think 
MTV being around and then leaving had, like, a very detrimental effect on her life. Like, way more than any of the other Teen Mom 3 girls. Like, I think Brianna, if she had never gotten back on Teen Mom, she'd been like, whatever, and just, like, continued, like, hoeing and partying in South Florida or Central Florida and, like, been fine. You know, like... Alex seems to want nothing to do with fame or MTV. I don't know the last time we heard from Alex. Katie Yeager wants nothing to do with it. But Mackenzie is still like ride or die. I need to be on TV. Right. I think that it was like a huge blow to her self-esteem. And I think that it also, she created this image in her mind that MTV would always be there. It would change their life. It would help bring money in. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of just suddenly left because they filmed season two they just never aired it oh, MTV's that's always the doing that. of, of mckenzie walking out for her wedding it's because they filmed that oh was the wedding not on team mom three it wasn't it was on season two when they filmed it oh, and on shit. the special it showed images from the wedding when her and josh were walking out because mtv still had that footage they filmed season two yeah so i think mckenzie just like i said i think she always knew she was like destined for greatness but instead of like unfortunately like I think Mackenzie could have what I think Mackenzie could be great at is if she like went to college and like got a restaurant management degree you know and like ran like the nicest restaurant in Miami like I think like that could be her greatness but I don't think that's the type of greatness that she's interested in having you know it's weird um In my work, I used to have, like, an account in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. and I called, and they were saying Miami over and over, so it's just like, wait, has McKenzie been saying it wrong this whole time, or is this individual saying it wrong? I think they were saying it wrong. very confused. Because Maria, who's from Pittsburgh, Maria, who did the McKenzie podcast with me, says it's Miami, and she's from, like, right over the border. Okay. Uh, (laughs) so i don't know i just mackenzie is like somebody that has a lot of manic energy surrounding her she has what i would call a crippling body image and eating disorder and i know like it's maybe controversial to like diagnose someone with that but mackenzie exercises for hours every day hours and i'm not saying like Mackenzie like stays fit and like goes to the gym etc like Mackenzie wakes up in the morning and will do like two hours of cardio then she'll do weight training then she'll do another nighttime cardio her poor kids will be like sick and she'll be snapchatting like dragging them behind in like a uh why can't I a wheelbarrow yeah in a wheelbarrow and she's like I gotta get my night cardio in but Brox has pneumonia like that like that's like how manic she gets about her workouts she will do these things like once she watched what the health on netflix like a lot of people did and decided and then like looked at some internet forums and decided that going vegan would cure her diabetes and she has very severe type 1 diabetes um so she decided that she read some guy saying that he stopped tracking his carbs while he was going vegan and that cured his type 1 diabetes And so she decided she would stop tracking her carbs, which for a diabetic is literally deadly to do. That's insane. Carbs are filled with sugar. (laughs) Like it's, and a lot, like a lot of vegans eat a high carb diet because there's a lot of carbs in fruit. There's a lot of carbs in uh, some vegetables. Like 
it's not you have to be careful if you're like monitoring your carbs when you're like eating vegan because a lot of vegan food is high in carbs it's not bad if you're not diabetic you know like it's fine if you're not diabetic but if you're Mackenzie, it's not fine and she would just like then she'd post on snapchat like I'm not feeling well. Oh, I'm really not feeling good. And then, like, pass out, basically, on Snapchat. Um, so, yeah, Mackenzie, and, okay, this is maybe a controversial statement, but because this episode is, the Where Are They Now episode is based on Angie, her mom, getting cancer, uh, a lot of Mackenzie's issues come from her mom, and a lot of her eating issues come from her mom. Her mom is obsessed with working out. I don't know, like, if it's healthy or not for her mom because we don't know her mom. But, like, they have a family gym that they're all seemingly required to go to. Uh, Anytime there's a family event, they have to do family workouts. On all holidays, they do, like, family man CrossFit or family CrossFit competitions, like, And I'm sure it's fine for, like, half of them, but for Mackenzie, it's always seemed to have a detrimental effect. Right. I kind of have been suspecting she might have disordered eating as well when she works out all the time in combination with the fact that she's always bottoming out on her blood sugars. Because I know that sometimes people that have diabetes, they'll purposely forgo their insulin because it does make you lose weight if you do that. So... That's yeah. something I always kind of wondered about, but... I mean, like, I don't know exactly what she has, but just from watching her snaps, like, there'll be times where she, like, literally has the flu, and she'll be, like, on a three-mile run because she can't skip her night cardio. And it's and like... we will be having this dry-ass chicken, and people are like, why don't you put some seasoning on that? And she freaks out. She's like, you can't put seasoning on it! It adds too many calories! She said seasoning is for children. That's a yeah, direct quote. <laughs> the thing is, at her core, and the reason that I can keep up so closely with Mackenzie is I don't feel like she's a bad person at her deepest core. Like, I... She- a sweet girl she's just stupid like she's i honestly don't think she really ever does anything out of malice and when she does she feels bad for it you can tell that she's a good person deep down she's just not even remotely smart yeah and you know mackenzie's gotten all into a lot of trouble saying stuff like you should go off your depression medicine and just decide to be happy like she says that a lot um like, a lot. And this has been a thing she's been saying for years and years. But, like, that all comes from her mom. Like, it's so clear that that's what her mom thinks. And she'll always say, like, I've always felt very bad for Mackenzie when it comes to Angie. Which is why I had a lot of conflicting feelings with this episode. Like, I've never been an Angie fan. I thought it was... I would use the word horrific. That she would not let Mackenzie go on birth control after Gannon was born. Uh, because she just, like... Because they hate premarital sex and how dare Josh and Mackenzie have sex. And it just made no fucking sense to me why your teenage daughter has a child. She's clearly having sex. Why you would then shame her for wanting to go on birth control. That was so wild to me. I always felt that Angie held Mackenzie to a standard that was impossible for Mackenzie to meet. So it was nice in a way to hear Mackenzie actually say that in this episode. 
because Mackenzie and Angie just have like this sick relationship where Mackenzie thinks Angie is like perfect, basically, and will always like talk about how perfect her mom is and how she's not doing things the way that her mom does. But at the same time, you can tell that like that is crushing Mackenzie. Right. And then Mackenzie sees, like, the entire community rallying around her mother and stuff. So when things don't go that well with her and her mom, she thinks, you know, I must be the problem because everyone else loves my mom and my mom's nice to everyone else. My mom's this big thing to everyone else. Yeah. I've just always, I don't know, I've never been an Angie fan ever, like, from from 16 and Pregnant to Teen Mom 3 to what we see in, uh, or what we hear Mackenzie talk about with her in her Snapchats. Now, that said, like, it's horrific what she's going through. Her mom, if you guys didn't watch, has stage four lung cancer that spread to her brain. Uh, the life expectancy for that is three to six months, and they've, they're they almost at a year. I think she was diagnosed, like, in December, right? I think so. Either that or it was early this year. Yeah. So they're, she's lasted. That sounds so awful to say that she's lasted a long time. But she is doing well. Um, she's doing really, really intense uh, chemo and radiation she Angie I would suggest following her on Instagram if you're interested in like her health journey because she posts on Instagram like all of her updates and she's very lucky that the cancer isn't spreading uh, at first it was spreading to her bones but then they did some like crazy radiation and now it's not spreading anymore her uh, tumors in her brain are shrinking but the reality is she has stage four cancer and you can't ever, like, recover from stage four cancer. Like, you just have it for the rest of your life. Uh, you know, like, regardless of, like, how much better you get. Uh, right. So she's, like, it's terminal cancer. It's just how long do you live with the terminal cancer? And hopefully for Angie, it will be a long time. Um, I think. I think also part of what's so startling about her cancer to her family, they say this, is that, like, Angie is a health freak. Never drank, never smoked. She runs countless marathons and then she gets lung cancer like that's so awful yeah that's something else that mckenzie has been reiterating on snapchat yeah. over and over and on this special as it's as it's as if this family thinks that if you work out constantly and eat all the time you'll always be healthy but cancer doesn't discriminate that's not how it works and it just sucks that you know cancer had to be the realization of that yeah it's very sad Mackenzie though to me is like very magnetic but I'm not sure if I would want okay I go back and forth because sometimes I'm like give us Mac McKee on Teen Mom but then I don't know although she was very honest in this special she can be boring too when she's like on TV yeah, she was very boring on Teen Mom 3. I think all of those girls, their first season, they hit a lot, and it was so boring that it got canceled. Whereas if they were just honest and open, like a Janelle or a Kale, then they would have gotten a second season easy. Yeah, I mean, Alex really, like, was the one pulling her weight on that. And she was so unlikable that, like, <laughs> Alex was the only one, like, really creating drama, and she was hard to watch. <laughs> Exactly. So it just didn't work out for them. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I wonder why Teen Mom decided, why MTV decided to go with Cheyenne and Bristol 
over Mackenzie. I mean, I can understand why they went with Bristol. Uh, because she might bring in an audience, I guess. That's different. Although, I don't know. I, at this point, like, I don't think any new viewers are coming into Teen Mom. They're not. They're just losing viewers of anything. I think that the reason why they took McKenzie off, honestly, is because of Angie. They probably thought that her story was just too heavy. And, I mean, I have seen people saying, oh, cancer's just sad, so I don't want to watch that. But the thing is, it's reality. So many people were able to relate to this special with McKenzie. Like, I have, my mom had cancer. My grandma had cancer. There was so much that I could relate to her on with this story. And, yeah, it's sad, but it is real. I think people like to live in a reality where they can see trashy stuff like Janelle constantly being arrested or Kale fighting with her baby daddies because they can be like, oh, huh, that will never happen to me. It's happening to them because they're trash. But like I said earlier, cancer doesn't discriminate. I think it hits a little too close to home for some viewers. They don't want to see what yeah. could happen. So MTV's kind of backing off. But I don't think they should have. Like, the reason why 16 and Pregnant was such a huge thing is because nobody was ever talking about teen pregnancy. Everybody knew it happened, but it was never discussed. It was never shown. And then MTV bought 16 and Pregnant on and became this huge phenomenon because it was you know, daring for them to go out and do that. And instead of being daring by using McKenzie and showing real-life issues, they chose Cheyenne and Bristol and took the easy way out. Yeah, I agree. I think, though, that... So, my thought is that I think MTV has realized that the challenge in its, what, like, 900th season at this point, because they do, like, three a year... And if they count, like, real world versus road rules challenge, which have been on almost my whole life, like, they're in, a, they're in like, the 50th season. Um, I think they're realizing, and I'm realizing, that there's a really strong online community coming up around the challenge that's kind of similar to the Teen Mom fandom. I mean, not nearly as crazy, but they have Facebook groups, they have Reddit subgroups, they have a large Twitter presence, and I think that's the only other show on MTV that's, like, getting that. And I'm wondering if they're noticing that those fans are following Corey and Cheyenne to X on the Beach, to Are You the One? You know, like, they're seeing that the fans of the challenge are willing to watch other shows as long as challenge cast members are on, or even if not watch, but, like, social media engaged with the shows and I'm wondering if they're like trying to figure out if they move challenge cast members to other shows that it's good for ratings well I just put Cheyenne on young then because she is young and she had a baby that would have been the perfect platform and it's a new show they would have gotten more viewers for their new show that's true that's true I think they're just stupid <laughs> Okay, we okay. need to take a quick break. Well, welcome back from the break. Something really annoying just happened. If you heard at the end, right before I said we're going to take a break, that I started echoing. Well, yeah, I started echoing. I think it's a problem with Skype. I could not get it to turn off. I tried a bunch of different things. It might be my Wi-Fi. I don't know what it is, and I don't have the patience in me right now to figure it out. 
So unfortunately, I had to hang up with Geneva. Uh, I personally just don't want to put out a podcast that has me echoing in the background. I've listened to podcasts where there's been an echo and it's actually unbearable to me. So I will never put out a podcast that echoes, which unfortunately means no more Geneva, which sucks for me. It sucks for you guys. Doing an episode with a guest is about 7,000 times easier than doing it on my own. I was really excited to talk to Geneva about Mackenzie. Uh, I'm glad I got her for 20 minutes at least. But yeah, uh, now it's just me. Thank you, Geneva, for trying. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for bearing with me. Anyway, we were at the point where Geneva suggested that they should bring Cheyenne onto Young and Pregnant. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that would have been brilliant, actually. I think they definitely could have dropped one of the girls and had Cheyenne be the fifth girl. I think that would have made a lot of sense for the franchise. I definitely hadn't thought of that before, but I would have liked to see that. But I wonder if maybe they wanted to put Cheyenne and Corey, because let's be real, they seem like they cast for Corey and not so much for Cheyenne, that they wanted to put them on the more, this is a funny word to use about Team Mom, but the more prestigious show, the one that had more clout. By the way, Young and Pregnant is going back October 15th. I'm thrilled. You guys know I love TMYP. I'm all on board for TMYP. I'll definitely be watching and recapping. I'm not exactly sure what recaps will look like, but as you guys know, depending on OG, we'll see which one I end up talking about. Anyway, so yeah, Mackenzie not coming on Team Mom 2 or Team Mom OG. I feel, I go back and forth. Sometimes... I feel frustrated because I think that she would have been a really good addition. I thought in this catch-up special, she laid it all out there. I thought she was extremely vulnerable. I thought she was pretty real about her shit with Josh, which I was surprised about. Uh, She recently went on Snapchat and said that after all this stuff with Bronx and the postpartum depression stuff happened, that Josh left her and that when she started Body by Mac, she was a single woman, which I was like, very shocked to hear about actually because she doesn't usually put that type of stuff on snapchat josh like hates mckenzie we all agree with that right that josh hates mckenzie (laughs) at least that's what it seems like from where i'm sitting so i want to get into this episode things with i didn't realize okay i that's not true i did realize how bad things were bronx because mckenzie gave it interview or spoke to somebody like a year ago about how bad her postpartum depression was and she said that she was suicidal and that Josh told her to kill herself which is horrific and then after that came out she said it wasn't true but like I knew in my heart that it was true because I know Mackenzie is a person that struggles with depression has struggled with depression for a very long time and I know that Josh is an asshole. So that tracked for me. I was like, oh yeah, Josh definitely told her that she should kill herself because he's a bad person. But she tried to say it wasn't true, but this all tracks. We find out in this special that Mackenzie had horrific postpartum depression with Jack, or with Bronxy, excuse me, not Bronxy. Her children are named Gannon, Jaxy, and Bronx. B-R-O-N-C-H-S. In case you're wondering, not Bronx, like the place, like Ashley uh, Simpson and Pete Wentz named their child. (laughs) Remember that? Remember they have a child named Bronx and the middle name is something from the Jungle Book? (laughs) 
That was a time in pop culture. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it's not Bronx like that. It's spelled Bronx like a fucking Bronx. Because, you know, Josh is a bull rider. Are those the same thing? I don't really know. Anyway, anyway. So we find out that Mackenzie had, like, debilitating postpartum depression and that her mom and family were not supportive of her. And they said, basically, her mom said that I'm going to take your kids from you. And this, like, upset Mackenzie so much that she would just send Angie these, like, horrible texts because she needed to get out how she was feeling in some way, which is something that I can relate to. And I think most people can relate to when in rehab, we used to say say hurt people hurt people. And I think that's definitely very true. As Geneva and I were discussing, Angie has always been a person, at least with Mackenzie, that's not very maternal. Like she's not very understanding. I think they definitely have the type of relationship that's more based on actions than loving feelings. I think that's just kind of probably the person Angie is more. And I don't think Angie was necessarily in the wrong to say that I'm going to take your kids. Now, did she say it in the right way? Probably not. Was she supportive of Mackenzie in other ways? It doesn't really sound like it. But if Mackenzie wasn't getting out of bed and Josh is at work seven days a week, and if, like... You have to remember, like, Gannon was only, I think Gannon was four when Bronx was born. And Jaxie was, like, two. Like, they were young. Like, these were young children. They weren't old enough. They weren't in school. And I can understand if, you know, Angie was genuinely concerned that the kids were not being taken care of. Now, it almost seems like it they wanted to take the kids away because, like, out of punishment, I noticed. It didn't sound like they were stepping in to take the kids for, like, the best course of action and because they needed to protect it. It almost sounded like, if you don't get better, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna help your kids. Mackenzie does say that she got better through therapy, and I, mm, I think she might be lying. I know, trust me, I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but Mackenzie is a person that believes in praying her depression away. She's a person that just believes in God above all else. And I'm not sure that Mackenzie would actually see a therapist. If she did, I want to commend her, but I feel skeptical on that. Mackenzie definitely struggles in life. I feel for Mackenzie Here's my hottest take when it comes to Mackenzie, and I have felt this way for quite a few years now. So, as you guys know, Mackenzie's family is deeply religious, deeply, deeply religious. She, her mom is, like, so okay with the cancer because she genuinely 100% feels like she has cancer to help bring others, people to God. I... I'm a person that, you know, is spiritual, but I don't really believe in a specific higher power. Um, That I don't, I don't really get it, but I do, I don't get it, but I understand it. That doesn't make sense. I don't believe in it, but I guess I, I understand where she's coming from. But sometimes she'll post, Angie will post stuff that I'm like, girl, like once she said she had an Indian doctor and he didn't know of her God, so she told, he believed in a different God, so she told him about her God. And I'm just imagining this guy, like, is just, like, fucking trying to do his work, and his patient is 
uh, what's the word, prophesizing to him. Oh, God, that would be so annoying. Um, I know Angie's doing it from, like, a place of goodness, but as somebody that grew up Jewish, it's, uh, it sucks when people try and push their Christianity on you. It, it really, it, it's shitty. It makes you feel othered. It's not, it does it never seems like it's coming from a good place or a place of love. It just makes you feel bad about yourself because it usually comes in the context of somebody basically implying that you will be going to hell if you don't find the love of Christ. So, back to my deepest take about Mackenzie. I think if she heard me say this, she would be very offended. Luckily, I don't think she will hear me say this. But I think that Mackenzie does not believe in God. Or does not believe in God in the same way that her family does. I think that she really struggles with faith. And I know from having some friends and sponsees, especially in the 12 steps, that people who grow up in very religious homes that don't get that same sense of satisfaction and the same uh, feeling of, like, strength from their religion often struggle. I just think that Mackenzie punishes herself constantly for not having the same faith that she believes that her other family members do. I think that she doesn't find the same sense of comfort in her religion. And I think it really, it really hurts her. Um, I know that's like a kind of a weird or maybe controvert, not controversial, that's not the right word. Yeah, maybe it is controversial to say that about somebody else. The reality is this is like so total speculation because I clearly do not know Mackenzie in real life and I especially do not know how she actually feels about her religion. It's just like an energy that I've always gotten off her and I am a person that picks up on people's energies and I consider myself to be pretty insightful and I don't know, it's just a feeling that I've had. I think that she, it's part of the reason that she feels so inadequate and they talk about this throughout the special that she just always acts acted so differently from her siblings and her parents. And Mackenzie is always saying, like, I don't live up to my siblings. I'm not the same as them. And I think that might be code for, like, I'm not a good person like my siblings are because I don't believe in Christ like my siblings do. No, I think she has a, a belief in God, I think she believes God is real and I think she wants to believe. But I don't think that she gets that same feeling in her heart. And I think probably a lot of it is that she struggles with depression and it's very hard, I know from experience, to believe in any sort of higher power when you're depressed. It's not it's not easy. A chemical imbalance can this is like getting too deep. But I've I always would tell people um, in the 12 steps, like when they asked for me, I wouldn't like go up to them and let them know. But a lot of people would be like, well, I don't want to be on meds. I think my higher power can just help me. And I would always say like a chemical imbalance blocks off the higher power. Like you can't, you can't have a relationship with, or it's hard to have a relationship with God when you have a chemical imbalance. And that's something that I really believe. And I think Mackenzie really, really struggles with her faith, but I don't think she would ever say it out loud because I think that would be the worst thing that she could say to her parents. Um, I think that I know for a fact, I know it's very hard to grow up in a religious home when you don't have that same sense of belief. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of Mackenzie's anger and behavior comes from that. Now, 
let's talk about Mackenzie's house and how dirty it is. <laughs> Why did she not clean up her house? Why? If MTV is coming to my house, I'm paying $100 for a fucking cleaning lady to come. Oh, and by the way, she doesn't even live in that house anymore because apparently she went on the Snapchat rat, 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 rant. That was a little hard for me to understand, but they moved into that house in a rent to own situation, except that they didn't have any contracts. And so every month they were paying this guy rent and paying for all the renovations on the house. But apparently the house, like the roof is falling, the... If you look at pictures of it, which I'm sure she, I don't know, might still have on her Instagram, the air, there's like one area where she would do her body by Mac stuff and it's like off the side of the house and just sits on stilts and like that area is about to like fall off. So they wouldn't even be able to get like a loan to buy the house because it would never pass an inspection. Uh, So her and Josh moved, supposedly bought a new house, but like Here's the thing. Mackenzie also lies a lot. Mackenzie constantly lies on Snapchat about what's going on. Like, not just lies by omission, but straight out lies. Like, she definitely said that they own that house that they're living in, in this special. And then she's like, well, it's rent to own and et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So, like, they didn't own it. So, she's like, but, you know, we're going to be in with the in with the new, out with the old. We have a new house. We're moving into it. We bought it. We get it in a week. And I'm like, you bought a house in a week? Like, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So uh, we do find out about Angie's stage four cancer. It started in her lungs, went to her brain, and it is terminal. And the average person lives three to six months. I believe I said that earlier in the episode. And Matt, the main overarching theme of this episode is Mackenzie's desire to make things right with her parents uh, and her parents' acknowledgement that they did wrong as well. Um, Mac feels a lot of guilt for the things that she sent her mom, which I think anybody can understand. I mean, you're, you have like this awful epic blowout with your mom and then in less than a year you're told she's gonna die like I I can't imagine that Mackenzie's also still very young remember guys she is team mom three was 16 pregnancies and four where team mom two was 16 pregnancies and two so I think she's 25 if not 24 like she's young she comes across I think is uh older in a lot of ways just because she has a husband and three kids and but she's young and I She's still, like, going through her early 20s bullshit and the bullshit you go through with your parents when you're in your early 20s and trying to figure stuff out. And now her mom's going to die. And she is walking around just in constant crushing guilt. Uh, We find out that her mom has already done 10 rounds of targeted radiation on her head, which is just, like, her hair has, like, dreaded itself. It's actually disgusting like and I don't really feel bad saying that because Angie called it disgusting too Angie was like it's awful I did notice at one point Whitney who is one of Mackenzie's siblings she's one of four she's the youngest Whitney starts crying and Angie because she's like trying to say something and Angie's like what are you trying to say like Angie is a very hard and tough person she is not a soft gentle person which I find it ironic that her 
motto thing is always be kind because I don't think she's very kind. <laughs> Maybe she's kind to like people in the community, but she's not very kind to her family, at least not her kids. And I did think it was interesting to see her kind of lay into Whitney for that second because I guess it's not just Mackenzie that she yells at. So I wrote down Angie sucks and I feel bad about that because I understand the basis of this is that Mackenzie is like, or Angie is dying of cancer. But I don't know, what's the point of me watching this special and recapping it if I'm just going to sit here and be like, well, Angie, she's going through a tough time. It's really hard. Like, that's not interesting. I'm going to talk shit on someone with terminal cancer. Wow. I'm a bad person. Am I a bad person for doing this podcast? Do you ever think about that? Like, your consumption of negativity and how much of a bad person it must make you? Because I do think about that. And it's probably high. By the way, this was a really tough week. Did everybody else have a really tough negative week with the news? Hmm. It was a really hard week for me. I... Has anybody ever deleted, like, all social media? How do you do that? How do you... How does an introvert who does most of their socializing via the internet and that's... And has been for, oh, I don't know, 20 years... Um, how do you, like, get off social media? What does that look like? My internet friends are, like, people that I really love and care for. And they're who I get social interaction fulfillment through because I don't really love to do it in real life. Um, how does that work? (laughs) But after this week, I'm like, should I delete my Facebook, my Twitter? Where else am I? My, well... I don't think I need to delete my Reddit, but should I be deleting, like, all sources of news and negativity? I don't know. Let me know. Tweet at me, at Bent underscore Lee, B-E-N-T underscore L-E-Y. Do you guys follow me on all my socials? My Instagram is at Bentley, B-E-N-T-L-E-Y, Bentley Liz one and my other Twitter for this show is E-B-P underscore Feathers. Come follow me. Anyway, I'm really off base. Yeah, I just think Angie is, like, not... She's not a warm person. (laughs) She's really not. She's very tough. I would not react well to her. I can't... I wouldn't handle her well. So, Mackenzie is, like, I just don't understand, like, how you can have so much strength. And Angie says, like, she just... She has strength in God, and through God all things are possible... And she doesn't worry about life because she has God. And I, I will say, like, I find that, I find that enviable. You know, I'm not, like, hankering to be a religious person. And I don't, don't think I would ever become a Christian. Like, I don't, I don't think that's in the cards for me. But I will say sometimes I have a desire to have like, a structured religion. I think it could be something that is really beneficial to me. I can't imagine not having, like, all of the crushing dread, I feel, uh, at the unknown. (laughs) I mean, it's not crushing dread, but it gets hard. It's tough. You know, life is hard, and I would imagine to have a faith like Angie's must be pretty comforting and to have no fear of dying because you believe in like an eternal life 
is probably pretty nice. Um, I have a crippling, not crippling, but a great fear of dying. I can't think about it for too long because I start to panic at the idea of like the unknown and like just the fu- the finality of it. Do you guys care about my religious views? <laughs> I haven't done a solo podcast in a while. <laughs> I'm off my shit. Okay. Um, Angie says that Mackenzie has... Oh, so we get a scene of Angie and Brad. And Brad is Mackenzie's dad. And Angie and Brad love the shit out of each other. And I love that. Angie even says, like, you're the person I worry about most with Brad. Like, I think Angie and Brad apparently have been together since they were in high school. Like, they just fucking love each other. And it's crushing to think what Brad is going through. Uh, They talk about how Brad feels really conflicted that he's still going to work. And Angie's like, well, I mean, I I can't have you just sit around on the couch all day. And that I understand. Angie, I think, very much wants everything to continue as normal. First of all, I don't think they can afford for Brad to be off work. They are... A lot of the program or treatments that she's doing are not in network. They've posted Brad and Angie are not wealthy. They are really strapping for cash. I don't think he can afford, you know, I'm sure her insurance comes through his job. I definitely don't think they can afford for Brad not to work. Uh, but Angie is like, no, it's, it's good for you to be at work. And I think I would definitely feel similar. And like Brad being home isn't going to cure Angie's cancer. And that makes sense to me. Mm, I feel Brad is the most sympathetic character in this special. Uh, I think because I don't know a lot about Brad, Mackenzie probably should be, but I don't, I feel a lot of sympathy for Mackenzie, but it, it comes with a lot of baggage just from following her for so long. But Brad just makes me sad. So Brad decides to really go for, to bat for Mackenzie. And he says, you know, since you've been sick, I've really seen a change in her. I feel like she's really had a change of heart. Uh, and Angie agrees. And she says that she and Mac have always struggled. And she uses a line that I've noted that I kind of found upsetting when she said, Mackenzie fought everything. Um, apparently, it's the theme in this family that Mackenzie has been trouble since she was literally born. At one point, Mackenzie says, well, I came out of the womb screaming. I was a fussy baby. I'm like, fuck, Mackenzie feels guilt over being a fussy baby. Like, that is awful. This family has made Mackenzie walk around with the guilt of how she was as a baby. I was a fussy baby, too. I had croup. I was just a mess, like, forever. And I've never felt guilt. I've never felt guilt over that. (laughs) My mom even says, like, my mom and I talk about it. I'm like oh, that must have been so hard. And Michael, my older brother, was such a good baby. And she will, like, she's always like, no, I loved it. She's like, I mean, it was hard, but, like, I got it because I'm a fussy person and I related more to you as a baby because Michael was so chill and calm and that's just not how I am. Like, my mom always, like, framed my fussiness in a positive light. And I think it's very sad that they did not do that for Mackenzie and that that's how she has identified her entire life. And, you know, I had a lot of struggles forever. I think I can relate to Mackenzie in this way and that we probably have both had depression forever. We've struggled with our parents, um, have a sibling that 
does not seem to have the same struggles as us. I mean, my brother, I'm sure, has his own struggles, but they don't look like mine, and I'm very self-centered. So it's like, he's perfect, even though he's absolutely not, because nobody's perfect. But it's very hard when you feel like you have been a problem for as long as you can remember. It's funny, in, in AA, one of the the promises of the ninth step and one of the AA promises basically is that you will constitutionally, you are intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle you. And like, I always think like my entire life baffled me. Like I just didn't understand how to live as a human. And I think Mackenzie feels that way too. Um, and Brad says that he really regrets, I don't know if it's here, but I'm just going to say it right now. Brad says that he really regrets the way that he spoke to Mackenzie and that he would tell her that she's not normal and that Mackenzie said to him, and I found this very crushing, that Mackenzie said to him, like, well, because I'm not normal, like, I'm just going to be bad. Like, I know I'm bad, so I might as well act like it. And, wow, I could really relate to that. And I wish we could get, uh, maybe... Maybe we, I would do wish we could get Mackenzie on Teen Mom where she could talk about that because I know that exact feeling where you're like, well, I'm just a fuck up. So like, why should I even try? I'm just going to be more of a fuck up. And you make like a conscious choice, like keep being a fuck up because that's what I did for a really long time because I just had no self-esteem and I just struggled so much in my life. I wonder if Mackenzie has learning disabilities. You know, it's not easy it's not easy to have lifelong depression. Um, especially I would imagine when you have a mom like Angie, who's like, you need to choose to be happy. You need to choose to be positive. And that is a really shitty thing to say to somebody who is suicidal. Because <laughs> somebody chooses to be suicidal. So we get a scene of Josh coming home. And they're going to go out for a family dinner, all five of them. Josh is exhausted. He works every day of the week. And then he comes home and works on the house, which was all for nothing, might I add. Poor Josh is exhausted. I say poor Josh, but he's really a bad person. And Bronx is screaming. He is not happy. He doesn't feel good. And they're in the car. And first of all, did you guys notice that Jaxie wasn't buckled into her seat? She was, like, violently, like, not violently, but, like, forcefully, like, rocking back and forth because she was not buckled. I noticed that, which isn't isn't great, but that's kind of on brand for Mackenzie. That's, like, how Mackenzie, oh, Mackenzie also, like, lets her kids do wildly dangerous things at all times. Like, they'll be, their house will be a complete construction zone, they'll be exposed nails, and, like, all three kids will be, like, running wild through it. <laughs> Oh, poor Mackenzie, poor Gannon, Jaxie, and Bronx. So, Josh is like, why are we going out if he's screaming? And Mackenzie's like, I have to deal with this all the time. And Josh, Josh says, yeah, because you drag him out all the time when he's not feeling good. I'm like, fuck, fuck. Josh is like cutting in this app. Like, he's not just like... Mac, I don't feel good. I don't feel like doing this. Like, he's straight up is calling her a bad mom. Um, They Josh, they drop Josh off, Bronx off with Josh's parents. And Mackenzie gets back in the car. And she's like, oh, that's so crazy. As soon as I gave him to your dad, he was laughing and he started to eat. And Josh goes, so he just needed to eat? 
And Mackenzie's like, no, he's been eating all day. And Josh is like, I don't think he basically implies, like, that Mackenzie wasn't feeding him and that's why he was upset. Which, like, yikes. I'm not, yikes. That's not great to say that, like, the mother of your children isn't feeding your children. Um, Josh says that he works 14 days in a row and Mackenzie sits on her ass all day. <laughs> Whoo! Mackenzie does not sit on her ass. Mackenzie is a stay-at-home mom to three kids. I think Gannon might have just started. He's probably in first grade because Nova DeJesus is in first grade. So two of those kids are home with her full time. She, as she says, like she basically works full two full-time jobs because she's a full-time stay-at-home mom while also running her business. She does a lot for the Body by Mac. She does all the filming, editing, marketing, etc., etc. She also works out for seven hours a day. So Mackenzie's not sitting around. I don't think Mackenzie's capable of sitting around. I don't think she's that type of... She's not like me who can just lay in bed all day long. Josh is a cruel person. Uh, We see it in just like this tiny little snippet, but it's something that I have always felt. He's just uncaring. Um, do you guys remember on the Team Mom 3 reunion, it, like, came out that he was a drug addict and was, like, addicted to pills, but then they're like, oh, that's over, we're all good. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he still had issues. He has, like, that dull affect of somebody who has a drug problem. I just, like, couldn't believe the way that he was speaking to Angie, or to Mac. As soon as Angie got cancer, like, as soon as it came out that she had cancer, my immediate thought was, like, oh, no, Mackenzie, like, she does not have the support in Josh that she needs for this to be good. Like, she, she just, Josh is not there for her in that way. It's very sad. Uh, so, um, they go out for dinner and they're like, well, we need to, like, not fight so much. Just, like, that classic thing that, you know, nothing is going to be resolved. So, Mac says, like, that she's taking her anger out on Josh because her mom is sick. And I can understand that. But I also feel like Mackenzie pretending that all of her issues with Josh come from Angie being sick is, like, a little delusional, if you will. So, they decide to uh, plan a trip. Oh, Mac also says, like, straight up, like, I am angry my mom is sick. And I was glad she said that because I think that's a very relatable emotion. So, they're going to plan a trip because Angie says her one desire is to, like, sit on the beach and watch her grandkids play. Mackenzie says, let's go from Miami to Miami, which I thought was funny. So, Angie's going to get her hair cut and won't let her daughters come, which I thought was, I don't know. I don't know. I felt weird about that. I think if they wanted to go, it's like, why can't they go? But I guess I can understand, like, she just wanted to be her and her sister, I think Angie's having a lot of issues dealing with the emotions of her children. I think that that, I think when her children are not around, she's able to, like, live in her strength, her, like, faith and her strength and her, this is all okay, this is God's plan, like, God wants this. Because of that, like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I trust God. I'm going to my eternal kingdom when I pass. Um, but I think when the kids are around, like her adult children, not even so much the grandkids, the adult children, 
and they have a lot of emotions and they're upset, I think that's very hard for her. I would guess that that is like, she can't take that pain away from them. And I think that's probably very hard and it upsets her. And I would imagine that that's extremely difficult because her faith can't take away the kid's pain. And so maybe it's just easier for her to have her sister go with her to get her hair cut because like, it's probably a devastating moment for Angie, even if she doesn't really show it. And she just wants to kind of go and get it over with. And her kids being there, like, so upset would probably just make it harder on her. And I can understand that. I wrote down, I just, I have mixed feelings watching Angie. And I do, because I think she's a tough person. I don't think she's very likable, but I do find the strength that she has very admirable. Um, so Angie says that she's just praying for 20 more years, which they say that she's about to turn 49. So it's like, I mean, 69 isn't that old. It, that's hard to hear somebody, you know, I just want to make it to like to 70 basically. It's like all she's asking for. And that's sad. And she doesn't have 20 more years, most likely. Uh, when Mackenzie sees Angie with her head shaved, she's, she starts crying and she's upset and she said it, it makes it real. So we get Jaxie's fourth birthday party. I did want to comment on the fact that Jaxie was wearing a shirt that said fit kid, hashtag fit kid, which I don't like. I don't like. Kids are not fit or unfit. That's, mm, it's gross. Don't, no, no. Nope, 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 nope. Don't talk about kids' bodies. Don't talk about kids' weight. Don't talk about kids' shapes. I just don't like it. Ugh. I don't like the idea of, like, inspiring your kid to be a fit kid. Like, just play with your kid and have them play outside. Hmm. So, we find out that Mackenzie has gotten an Elsa dress, but it's a child small, but it fits her. I don't know. It didn't look that small. She was like, it's so small, but it looked like a fitter, but I guess maybe it wasn't buttoned up in the back. And um, Angie shows, like, Angie gets a princess dress to wear, like a, a prom dress, basically. And, like, I teared up a little bit when she came out in it because she had her shaved head and, you know, she was just, like, trying really hard. So they do say that, this is when they talk about Angie being the most terrified for Mackenzie. And she said that she and Mackenzie have a relationship where Angie rescues Mackenzie, which I believe. And she basically said, like, this has been really hard for Mac because anytime something goes wrong, Mac just, like, calls Angie and Angie comes and cleans it up. And Angie, I mean, they lived with Angie, Josh and Mackenzie, or at least Mackenzie did. I don't know where Josh would be. But they lived with her for... Um, with, they lived with her for a while and like until they moved into this house, I think Angie has always been a big part of fixing things in Mackenzie's life and guiding her. And I don't know, like probably in an unhealthy codependent way. I think that Mackenzie has never been fully able to do this world on her own. And I think Angie has a need to step in and overcorrect, which... You know, I can relate to my mom and I had a relationship like that for a while. Luckily, we do not anymore. So, the birthday party is cute. Everybody seems happy. It's nice that 
I think it's nice that this whole thing is on camera. You know, they'll have this forever. They'll have this special forever. Even if it's like a little at the raw emotions that are on there. They're going to have these memories forever after Angie passes. God, it's going to be so sad when she dies. It sounds like I'm talking about a character on TV and not a real person. So... Brad tells Mackenzie, they, Brad and Mackenzie have, like, a little moment, and Brad tells Mackenzie, Mackenzie basically says, I want to apologize, and Brad's like, no, I need to apologize. And Mackenzie's like, what? And he basically says, I'm sorry that I made you feel bad, and that, like, you weren't a good person, because you are. And I think Mackenzie was taken aback by that. And she's like, well, it would have been really, like, really hard for me to, like, to raise me. And he was like, nope, but you were a good kid. And I I thought that was nice. So Max says that all she wanted was someone to love her. Like Brad loves Angie and, and Brad says that Angie takes his breath away. And I thought that was nice, but I want her parents to be like, you should leave Josh because he doesn't treat you that way. (sighs) So they go on the trip to Florida. It looks freezing. (laughs) I love as somebody that lived in Florida, I can tell like a cold Florida day, which I'm sure was not that cold for them because they live in the Midwest. But when like that wind is ripping and you're a Floridian, you're like, like if I was there, I probably would have had on like Ugg boots, a fur coat, not that I have a fur coat, but like a full coat, a hoodie, like I would have been freezing and they were there in bathing suits, which I thought was very funny. So... Mackenzie and Angie sit down to talk and Angie says, well, why did you send me those texts? Like, why did you think that was okay? I would have never sent my mother a text like that. That would have never been acceptable. And Mackenzie gets very real. And she said, you know, well, Angie even says, like, I know you were going through your postpartum, but I just don't understand why you would send them. And Mackenzie says she felt like nobody was ever there for her. She was going through the hardest moment in her life. And instead of somebody sitting down and saying, Mackenzie, I love you. I'm here for you. We will get through this. They sat down and said, I'm going to take your kids from you. And Mackenzie felt betrayed and unloved. And I was really proud of Mackenzie in that moment. I thought she was extremely vulnerable um, and extremely honest. And Angie's reaction was, horrific. Like, I could not believe the way that Angie responded to this. Angie brought it up. I thought that they were going to have a heart-to-heart where Mackenzie was able, probably for the first time, to, like, genuinely explain how she felt. And Angie shut her the fuck down. Angie was like, oh, well, I'm sorry if my mothering is why you felt that way. And Mackenzie even says, like, the day she tried to kill herself, so she admits, like, not only was she thinking about trying to kill herself, but that she actively tried to kill herself. And she says the day she tried to kill herself, she knew that it would be okay if she died because nobody would care. Oh, my heart shattered for Mackenzie. And Angie fool went on to, like, well, I guess I'm a bad mom. And because I'm a bad mom, you did that. And if you want to believe that it's because I'm a bad mom and that makes you feel better, then fine, Mackenzie. And I was like, you asked her. And Mackenzie even says, she says that she said, you asked me the, about the messages because Angie goes, this is how many years ago? This is what? This was like two years ago. And this is what you want to talk about right now? And Mackenzie, you can tell Mackenzie's like, what the fuck? Like, you are the one that brought up the messages. 
I'm telling you how I felt. I think McKen- it would have been impossible for Mackenzie to offer a genuine apology if at the same time she did not let Angie know why she was doing what she was doing. And I I get that. You can't just be like, I'm really sorry I sent you those mean texts. She wanted to be heard and be seen by her mom. And she clearly feels like she's not heard and seen by her. And in this conversation, she was not heard and seen by her. And I don't understand why Angie brought it up. Well, I do, because I I think that Angie believed that Mackenzie was going to immediately go. When she said, well, why would you send me those texts? Angie, or Mackenzie was immediately going to say, well, you know, I have my bad postpartum, but I'm so sorry. And you are amazing. I love you so much, mommy. And please forgive me. But Mackenzie didn't do it. And Mackenzie... As Leah would say, Mackenzie stood in her truth in this moment, and she really let Angie know how she was feeling, and I almost said let Angie have it, but, like, she didn't let Angie have it. There was nothing that she needed, Angie needed to have. Like, Mackenzie was not coming from, in my opinion, was not coming from a place of anger. She was not coming from a place of blame. She was coming from a place of explanation, and I found it extremely, extremely sad that Mackenzie was Angie didn't let Mackenzie have that moment of explanation. You know, that would have been a very healing moment for Mackenzie and I believe for Angie too. And just because Angie has cancer and she's dying doesn't mean that like all of their history is erased. And I think it's very sad. I think Mackenzie will be dealing with what happened between them during that postpartum depression time for years to come in therapy if she goes to therapy. Um, She even, Angie even says, Mickey, I've stage four cancer and eight brain tumors, and this is what you want to talk to me about? Yeah, Ange, that's what she wants to talk about because it's something that's been eating away at her for however many years. Like, let her talk about that. Ugh. I just, I don't understand why Angie could not sit there for 10 minutes and let Mackenzie have 10 minutes where she got to say how she really felt, and then Angie could have said, I'm really sorry this happened. Because she said to Brad, I should have been kinder to her. I should have done things differently. I don't understand why she could not sit there and say, I messed up and I'm so sorry. And those messages you sent me hurt me so badly, but I understand the place that you were in. And I want to move past this. And I'm deeply sorry. Instead of going into immediate passive aggressive, well, if you want to blame me, And, ugh, it just, it made me so mad. And then they go out for dinner afterwards, and Mackenzie's like, I'm sorry for making it be all about me. I just want to move on and apologize. And Angie's like, oh, I'm sorry you felt like a troubled child. I love you. And, like, is ready to move on. I don't know. I've, ugh, it was just so frustrating because I know that took a lot for Mackenzie to put herself out there. And I think she genuinely felt like that was the time to do it because Angie asked her about the messages. And I think if Angie didn't want to have that conversation, she shouldn't have brought up the messages. I think Mackenzie thought she was taking Angie's lead. You know, like, she thought that Angie was saying, like, hey, let's talk about this now. And then was so blown away when Angie was like, yo, go fuck yourself. Mackenzie even says, like, if I was dying of cancer, I wouldn't want to hear about the bad things I did. But that's life. Like, everybody needs to get their shit out because Angie's going to die. And you have to talk to her about it before you die. And it didn't have to be a fight. And it didn't have to be Angie being defensive. And if Angie could have just listened to her and taken in what she said, and even if she said, 
No, Mackenzie, it really hurts me to hear you say that, but I understand what you're saying, and I wish I could have done things differently. No matter how bad it hurts for me to hear it, you're not wrong. But she couldn't give her that, and I, th- I think that's a, a shame. I think it's very unfortunate. The special ends with a surprise party for the fam- from the family, and it's, it is nice that they're all in Florida. And that's the special. Not that much actually happened in this special, but I, I I appreciated the honesty of it. I'm glad we got it. I am so, so on her be, not being on Team Emoji. I wish she was, but I'm okay that she's not. I am still not sh- 100% sure why she wasn't, especially if MTV filmed her for as long as Mackenzie says they did. I wonder why they didn't go with her. Um, I think she got really jerked around by MTV this year, unfortunately, which is a shame considering all that she's going through with her mom to then be jerked around by MTV is shitty. But I do believe that we will see more from Mackenzie. I encourage you all to follow Mackenzie's Snapchat. (laughs) I really encourage you. I am cautiously excited for Team Momoji. Now, Team Momoji is stale as hell. You guys all know I don't really like Team Momoji. I watch because, because I'm in it for the long run. Because <laughs> I'm in it till we all die. But I have decided I've moved on from my initial like, well, why are they bringing non-teen moms on the show? Anger that I had. And saying, you know what? Let's do it. If they're dramatic, if they bring fresh drama, like, I'm fucking here for it. Uh, I believe my dear friend Saad will be on next week. She's a real Bristol Palin head. So I'm having her expertise come on for the Team Mom OG recap, the season premiere. Anyway, I hope everybody has a good week. I hope this upcoming week is better. Uh, Let me know how I completely get off social media. Thank you guys for listening. I love you very much. To all my iTunes people are hearing a full episode. I'm so glad to be able to give this to you. Have a nice week, guys. Oh, and once again, sorry about the technical difficulties. I'm going to try and have Geneva on maybe in two or three weeks, hopefully in two weeks. Uh, Sucks. I really wish we could have talked about Mackenzie more, but yeah, you know, I can't control, can't control technology. (laughs) Bye, guys. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos and come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.